0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to YC Founder Five Sites. My name is Anu Hariharan, and I'm a managing director at YC, where I work with our growth stage companies. I'm here today with Jale Rezahi, founder and CEO of Mutiny. Mutiny uses AI and data to convert website visitors into customers and was part of YC's summer 2018 batch. Welcome, Jale.
1: Thank
0: you for having me, Anu. How are you? Good. Um, And I'm so excited to have you here because I've known your journey from the gusto days. Uh, But today, we're going to talk about AI, but we'll also touch a little bit on your early journey as well. Mutiny recently announced that they acquired Intellips, an AI marketing platform. So many people listening today are founders and CEOs. So we're going to discuss two things. One. Acquisitions as a growth strategy, as well as how AI will impact the next era of growth. But first, as I said, let's start with some background. Mutiny was founded four years ago, and the product has really evolved massively into becoming a platform for go-to-market teams. Mutiny uses AI to identify ideal customers for your company, determine sections of websites that'll increase conversion, And produce copy that converts visitors into customers so jelly i know a little bit of this background but how did you really come up with this idea can you share a short version of your founding story
1: absolutely Um, so this idea for mutiny was very much inspired by my own experience leading marketing at gusto Uh, And when I first took over the marketing team, we were initially struggling to scale our revenue and customer acquisition. So we were spending a bunch of money on marketing, but it wasn't translating into revenue at the rate that we wanted. And CAC Payback was well over 20 months, which, which, as you know, Anu, is very bad for an SMB business. And so, um, you know, we did a bunch of discovery, looking at the, the data, talking to other companies to understand. And ultimately, um, what I arrived at was this simplified view of growth, which is that there's really two levers to growth. There's demand and there's conversion. Demand is things like advertising, content, PR, all the stuff that, we associate with marketing. And conversion is this practice of creating a system to turn all those hand raisers into customers. And that's the piece that's massively underdeveloped for most companies, you know, Gusto at the time included. Um, and so you know I looked to the best companies at this, which tended to be B2C companies like Airbnb, Uber. They'd all um, solved this problem by essentially hiring hundreds of growth engineers and data scientists. To go and optimize their, you know, their web experience, and so we decided to do the same thing. We built out a dedicated growth engineering team, and we invested in things like form optimization, website personalization, onboarding, you know, all sorts of things to convert um, visitors into customers. And over my time at Gusto, we saw how impactful this was. You know, overall, our revenue grew by 100x during that period. CAC payback went down to less than 10 to 12 months. And so we were able to have this really rapid growth, but it was really difficult to build all of the stuff from scratch and hire all of those engineers. So my co-founder who was also from Gusto, um, we started to think about how can we turn what we were doing into a no code platform that every company could use. So we could essentially serve as the world's growth team and help all companies solve this conversion problem. and and be able to essentially grow a lot more quickly and efficiently. Uh, And so that's uh, that. uh, And our day one was actually day one of YC. So you've been with us pretty much since the beginning of that journey.
0: Yeah, I remember, um, you know, talking about this idea with you way back, even before when you were applying to YC. But can you actually double click a little more? what exactly was difficult to build? And I do remember the 20 month payback was like, you know, as you said, <laughs> we never mm-hmm. had good startups to be 20 months, but for the audience here who are mostly founders, because they may not have, some of them may not have seen what the struggle is going to be. So can you elaborate what was hard, what were you trying to solve and how long it took? Yeah, totally. So
1: basically um, what, you are doing as a growth team that's trying to solve conversion is um, you're trying to build a system with inputs and outputs, right? So you have um, the, the first step is connecting data. So understanding who is coming to your website, which part of your funnel do you have problems and therefore should prioritize. And so there's, there's this whole data investment piece for you to be able to just aim your team and your engineering resources in the right direction to affect revenue. Then once you know, like, let's say, you know, restaurants are not converting on the website because restaurants have a different value proposition and our website is optimized for startups, which is, you know, it was a very real thing that we faced at Gusto. Um, or you realize, hey, our sign-up form relative to benchmarks is underperforming, and we think that we should have a higher conversion rate, and that we have opportunities to improve this sign-up form. Um, you know, there's there's hundreds of things that you know that 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 can be important, and you essentially look at data to to estimate what the revenue impact can be if you were to make improvements in that step. Then what you do is uh, brainstorm and ideate with the team. Okay, well, if we know restaurants are underperforming, what do we do differently for restaurants? Should we Um, personalize our logos and and images is it really more of a call to action issue because they don't want to buy by going through the online experience they want to talk to somebody and see a demo right so you start brainstorming based on what you understand about the different customers um, for what the solutions might be and then you size uh, all of these ideas the exact same way that you would build um, and prioritize if you were building a new feature, um, except that you know instead of things taking years to build, you know these tend to be things that take. Uh, you know four weeks to 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 like nine to ten weeks to build um and so so then we would we would prioritize based on the amount of time that it would take our confidence in in the impact that we were estimating for it and then we would then say okay out of a hundred things that are listed in the spreadsheet these are the one or two things that we're going to prioritize and build and then you have engineers go and build those things in as lean of a way as they possibly can and you have a measurement system. That then shows you whether the, the the change that you made, the thing that you build, actually improved conversion or not. Um, and then you learn and you optimize from there. So you have this system and this loop, and you can imagine that if instead of taking you months to you know come up with ideas and build them, if we could collapse that to a matter of you know minutes um, or hours, it would have a massive impact on. The, the team's ability to be able to launch new experiences and optimize their conversion. Um, and so that's the, th- that's basically what Mutiny does. So instead of the company having to build all of this infrastructure, we uh during our onboarding you know we have all of this pre-integrated data sources we have our own data sources um we have our own conversion tracking etc so during you know about an hour of onboarding we plug into all of that infrastructure we have analytics already set up and everything and then once the once they're onboarded then they can just you know go into mutiny and then our ai starts recommending what are the things that they should be doing to drive conversion and it's all no code. So then they can just launch those things in a matter of minutes and, um, and see the impact. So it basically collapses that very long process um, that also took engineers, which obviously they don't grow on trees. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's the hardest uh, yeah. to build. Um, it, it collapses that to a matter of minutes for someone who's not even technical.
0: That's great. And so roughly for the audience here, When should a startup think about using Mutiny? Is it from day one, or what's when when is it right for them to sign up for Mutiny? So,
1: on the um, so we have essentially Mutiny is built as a as a platform that we then activate different use cases on top of it, right? So think of it as. Um, if you're a growth team, you can basically build whatever you want, but it's you know it's very time consuming. But you can go from sign up form to referral, to onboarding to you know website headline personalization, and you you essentially, because you have to custom build everything, you can kind of bounce around the entire customer journey. Um, but since we are building a platform for all these companies to use, we essentially open up canvases um, one at a time, right? So we started with, website uh, on-page personalization, and then we added components and embeddables, so things that you can just, you know, surveys and, and um, uh, little things that you can just insert into your website. Uh, then we are uh, adding uh, A-B testing, so you don't have to have a separate A-B testing tool, you can just use Mutiny for all of this. And uh, we have uh, a uh, one-to-one ABM landing pages. So these are all separate canvases that we, that we release. And so uh, it really depends on what you want to use the product for. And so for our inbound product where we help optimize the website, usually I recommend that the website has, pre- has product market fit. And at that point when they have 20,000 or so visitors, then that's a great time to to start doing a lot more optimization on top of it. Um, But as we add in A-B testing, essentially the size of that website requirement goes down. So I think much smaller startups can start using Mutiny probably starting in a few months from now. And then our outbound product, which creates one-to-one pages for target accounts I mean that's something that we at Mutiny were using when we had five employees and were pre-product market fit. So that one doesn't really have a um, a website visitor limit. As long as you know who your target customers are that you want to go after, you can you can start using that. But generally, you know, Mutiny customers are um, small to mid market. So you know, folks like Notion, Brax, Carta. Um, um,, and we're now starting to work with larger customers like Snowflake and Qualtrics.
0: That's great. That's awesome. Well, one thing here for founders, I'd say on in the audience, I've noticed uh, one of the you know common uh, I would not even say misconception or mistake, but you know, one of the things founders tend to overlook because you're so busy trying to get to product market fit and you have all these customers joining you that you put up a website and you look at it a year later it probably doesn't hold true anymore and you'll have to make changes because you have different customers coming to you and so that's something definitely to keep an eye on and mutiny is really great in that sense now let's you know you mentioned ai a couple of times jolly so i want to double click on this Especially I think like, uh, you know, I think I saw a meme uh, this week that is is now focused on generative AI and it's such a broad definition and I've always seen these things come and go. Let's demystify it. So let's, you know, Mutiny help, you know, what you said is really helps improve conversion. You're focused on both inbound, outbound and you also have a, you know, A-B testing product but it transforms conversion from a niche A-B testing tool to a platform that every go-to-market team can use but what does AI even mean in this context and how have you leveraged that over the last four years? Yeah,
1: so, I mean, every company has this inefficiency problem that we talked about, right? So on average, when you look at the marketing spend of a company, 19 out of every $20 is wasted because the experience isn't optimized for that audience for that part of the funnel. And so the more that you can make that efficient, then the faster your company grows and the better all of your metrics and and all that good stuff. And so the first generation answer to this problem was essentially A-B testing. Um, But the problem with A-B testing is that it's very tactical and you are trying to optimize to just the lowest common denominator. And so it ends up being one person on a web team running experiments on websites, should the button be green or red? Um, It's not this big strategic enabler for the company. But when you give the entire go-to-market team x-ray vision into every visitor, how they're converting, and then also pair that with the ability for them to change their website for all of those different segments, then you basically go from this niche task um, to every marketing team, every growth team. Is now making the website a core part of their their strategy. So the ABM team wants to create one to one pages for all of their target accounts. The paid team wants to match the ad copy to the landing page. Um, you know the lifecycle and growth team wants to upgrade freemium users to paid. And so it becomes this now you know th- th- this huge part of the strategy to drive more revenue. Now where AI comes into this is making all of this easy to do for all these different users. And so you know, as soon as you connect data, uh, you end up with a 1,000 questions, right? Which segments are underperforming? So for example, we connect uh, and identify over 70% of the visitors. And there is hundreds of attributes uh, around the visitor, such as their size, their industry, persona, use case, right? And so once you you shed light on that, there's all these questions around, well, which segments are underperforming? Which segments should I prioritize? Who should I start with first? What parts of my webpage should I change? Um, You know, I don't have unlimited resources, like where should I focus in order to get the biggest bang for my buck? What copy is gonna resonate for these different audiences? Maybe I have eight variations uh, of what I wanna do differently for startups versus enterprises, but which one is the right one? And so we essentially use AI to answer all of these questions. So from the who to the where to the what, we use a variety of different technologies to basically automate um, and make it easier for each of these things. And so we're, we're very, um, you know, one theme that probably will emerge from this is we are not very focused on technology. We're focused on the end user. Like what is the value that we can add for them? How can we make their lives easier? And then we pick the right technology Um, whether it's AI or otherwise, to essentially enable the user to be able to do that task a lot easier.
0: I want to double emphasize what you said. Like, it's so important to focus on the problem and not the technology. Um, because too often I think people want to start an AI company, and then it's like, what exact problem is it solving? So you you mentioned something very interesting. Um, I do see this with a lot of YC startups. Data is, you know, growing from day one in a startup, and the amount of data you can collect is, you know, incredible. But to some extent, the questions you ask inform the answers, and sometimes it's also like, are you asking the right questions? You touched on customer segments, which customer segments to focus on. Can you touch a little bit on how you approach it at Mutiny? Like you, pro- you probably see a ton of data. When do you know what are the right questions to ask? And when do you say, these are not questions we need to optimize for now? Because I think that could be pretty damaging to startups if very early on they're focused on all the questions.
1: Yeah, totally. So, I mean, we, um... We approach it from a marketing and user lens, right? So, and this goes back to like, how do you put together the right founding team? Um, So Nikhil and I joke that we don't know how to solve any of the same problems. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I bring, I used to be, you know, the user, right? And so I bring a lot of that to the table and then he is, um, you know, an engineer's engineer, like he loves the data, AI, like that whole side. Right. And so we essentially bring these two things together. And so the way that we think about it and, and a lot of this we validate in, in, in user questions as well. So, for example, in the early days, one of the most valuable things that we did was we followed the customers home, if you will. So we were essentially an extension of their growth team. Um, and so we would follow them and, and we would say, okay, let, let us come to your team meetings and we want to be end-to-end a part of this problem that you're trying to solve with Mutiny. And the, the thing that we saw kept coming up, um, and I remember like Amplitude in particular was one of our early customers, is they would come into Mutiny and execute on personalization, but then it would take them a while to in-between experiences. And so as we double clicked into that and we're like, well, what are you exactly doing to do this? And they're like, well, we're trying to figure out how to prioritize between different audience segments. Um, And so then, you know, we dove in with them and we said, great, like, can we can we take a look at this with you? Uh, And we saw that, you know, they were essentially trying to figure out uh, which segments are larger than others which segments have anomalistic conversion behavior? Um, What has been a change in behavior? Maybe a segment recently um, got added to their website or recently had a change in conversion, right? And so these were the types of questions that they were trying to answer in order to ultimately prioritize, okay, like where do I actually start and which segments do I prioritize? And so when we saw that, you know, that gives us a very clear answer as to, okay, these are the types of questions that we should be automatically answering for our customers. And so we um, we, we did a few different things in that particular example. One was we built in the flow, the data, we, we started visualizing the data in a way that they could immediately see some of those things for themselves. So we gave them better hooks to, to be able to answer those questions. But then that also informed Um, you know, our ability to automatically identify answers to those questions for them and and have those types of recommendations go into our recommendation engine.
0: So you mentioned, that's a really helpful example of a real customer amplitude, right? So uh, you mentioned data and the use of data. And I know that, you know, you also touched on this earlier that your recommendations or the use of AI to answer some of these questions depends on the data. Can you talk about since you started Mutiny, what are some of the advances in AI over the last four years that you've sort of leveraged in Mutiny itself? Yeah, absolutely. So,
1: I mean, I think, um, the, the the data set is, is really, really important. And so, you know, I think, um, we started with like, what is the problem that we're trying to solve with AI? And then make sure that we solve that problem at almost like every stage of the company with or without a a very large data set or a super sophisticated algorithm from day one. And so for us, the problem was we wanna solve the art and science of conversion, right? Which really comes down to like, we wanna automate and we wanna guide. And so, the initial value of Mutiny uh, was the no-code piece, right? We wanted to, without engineers, marketers could launch d- you know, changes to their website and learn from their own data. And that in and of itself, without any AI, was just really valuable to be able to give them that ability. And then the AI piece essentially just makes it easier and easier on top of that, right? So the V1 of our AI, like in the very early days where we had no data, it was, I was the AI, <laughs> right? So I was like, okay, great. Like, we will help you come up with, um, we, will, we will help guide you. We will help you come up with ideas for tests because we were just trying to solve that cold start problem and get people going um, so that they could. They could start you know, using the product so that we could start generating a data set. And then, as those early users started to you know, launch experiences, our data started to grow. And so, we knew we wanted to ultimately use AI across customers in an anonymized way to, to, to bring in things like benchmarks, recommendations, write copy, et cetera. Um, and so we our data layer was standardized. So our definition of healthcare across Notion and Amplitude and Snowflake is the same. Um, and so with that standardized data, we had that standardized data, but there wasn't enough volume to, to be able to automatically, to build models and automatically say like, okay, these are the parts of the website that have to change. Here's you know, what you can learn from other customers. And so what we did instead um, in those early days is we launched... Uh, what we called community playbooks, where a user, as soon as they would have a winning experience, we would, in the app, ask them, hey, can you share this playbook? And they would say, you know, yes, uh, pretty much we had 100% acceptance rate. They They would say yes, and they would share it. And we would extract that playbook, which was a screenshot of what they had done on their website before and after with Mutiny, as well as metadata around who was the audience and what was the conversion rate. And we would then recommend that playbook to other customers that had similar audiences on their website. So this was like, you know, V1. um, And it essentially was going back to solving that user problem of how do we inspire them? How do we guide them? How do we, you know, how do we make this faster for them? Um, And so just seeing what other companies were doing. Um, you know, maybe we didn't have enough data to, to automate every single step, but we could at least put this in front of them. And then it allowed them to, to to, to be able to come up with more experiences. And so that again, helped us get more people using Mutiny faster in the early days, which, you know, kept building our data set. And then at some point, you know, that data set started to grow. So we were able to do much more interesting things. So being able to identify um, anomalistic behavior and clusters and audiences on the customer's website so that we could could say, hey, these are the audiences that you should really focus on. And then if we had a matching playbook, then we would add that to it. Um, Then we started to have enough data to be able to really bring in benchmark information across customers um, and be able to predict performance for them. Right? So to be able to say, hey, you know, for this audience, we estimate this is the revenue impact that you can have if you make these types of changes. Um, and then as our data set has grown, we now are able to um, build models where we can tell the customer where on their website they should focus on making changes, whether it's particular pages or even parts of the page. So we can we essentially... Can um, can can identify. Hey, like this section of the page. If you personalize this, you are thirty two percent more likely. To be able to increase your conversion rate, and so we have these estimates that are coming from the aggregate data, and then our model is able to identify these different uh, these different parts of the page. So we've been able to, you know, go from just the audience to like actually now get very concrete on the page what they could be doing to make those changes. Um, we also. Um, Starting, uh, starting about a year ago, uh, started writing personalized copy. Um, and so this was something that, um, you know, we, we leveraged GPT-3 for this. Um, and I'm happy to talk more about that if that particular technology is of interest. But essentially, we're able to, uh, w- you know, we have a data set that tells us who saw what, cha- you know, what type of content And did that lead to an increase or decrease in conversion? And so we take that data, which is our own proprietary data, and we feed that to GPT-3 to then produce personalized copy for different parts of the page for the customer. So it's been very much a progression of you know, starting out with the first, you know, product being that no code piece, you know, added enough value for us to be able to get in the game and and, and start partnering with our customers. Um, and then with AI, we've basically just, you know, chipped away at this ease of use problem around the, what we call the art of conversion, um, which is like all of the strategy and where you should be focused on. We've essentially just chipped away and made little bits of that easier and easier and easier over time. Um, and so it wasn't sort of this like one-time you know, thing, um, and, and it's gonna, we're gonna continue to, to, I think, operate in that way. As more you know, AI technologies become available that we can take advantage of, um, we'll basically just incorporate that into solving that customer problem ultimately.
0: What I love about what you shared, Jaleel, is I remember in summer 2018, your one line for YC was personalized website for B2B uh, marketers, and you know your evolution, it started with focusing on customer problem. You were the version one AI, uh, trying to help customers answer the problems. You collected more data, step three, then you used it for benchmarking. Then fourth, you gave better recommendations. And now with GPT-3, you're starting to realize that vision that you laid out, you know, uh, almost five years, four years ago. Um, So it's really interesting to see that journey. And I think for the founders in the audience, the real takeaway here is a lot of startups usually say, oh, I don't have data and I don't know how to leverage. But I think Chile's example really highlights, start with a customer problem. And do things that don't scale. If initially you're the human trying to figure out what's the recommendation, how to really get to the answer, you start with that, and data grows. And then over time, as data grows, you can use models and inputs and improve your recommendation engines, um, you know, to help service your broader customer base better. So, Jolly, did you have moments? I mean, it's, it sounds like you know it's only been four years, but there are a lot of changes in just mutiny as well as in AI in general. Are there times you felt you could have done more with the advances being made in AI? Are there uh, potential like different solutions you would have considered? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think uh, GPT-3 is probably, it's amazing how much is happening um, in in AI and there has been a lot of positive wins that we didn't expect when we started building Mutiny. Um, and so GPT-3 is probably a really good example of, of one of those. You know, we had on our roadmap to write copy, but we just didn't think that we would get there for a while because we needed a much larger data set in order to be able to like truly generate text. And so, you know, and, and for those of you that don't know, GPT-3 is it's basically a large language model that's made by OpenAI and it's trained on natural language data from basically the entire internet and in layman terms like it means that it writes really well so you can communicate to it via text and then it can produce text for you but um as the the deficiency is that it doesn't know what works for whom and so we saw this really great opportunity to leverage that technology but then marry it with the proprietary data set that we had and so um You know, a lot of companies, they basically just build an interface on top of GPT-3. And that, you know, that can be relatively commoditized over time because that's something that everybody has access to. And so what we do that I think is pretty unique is we essentially give GPT-3 data in a structured way about the different audiences that we want it to write data, uh, that, that we want it to write text for. So we would say, hey, like, this is what's worked for healthcare companies across our customers, and we feed it that data. And as a result, it's able to then, and then we ask it to, you know, to, to, to write text. And so as a result, it's able to generate highly personalized content. So I'd say there's these moments along the way have been really great as a startup, you know, you, you have winds, uh, headwinds and tailwinds. And I think on the AI side, we've had a lot of um, we, we've had a lot of like positive momentum that where we have seen something and we've been able to just leverage that. Um, you know, there's other things around just like natural language processing. There's just a lot of um, backend AI models that you can, you can start to use and move a lot faster. So I think all of that has been, um, ha- have, have created like, you know, higher momentum and have been positive moments for us.
0: What are some things that you think are still underdeveloped? You, you kind of said, or in another way to ask that question is, you said GPT-3 was an inflection point, right? You kind of mentioned it as uh, something revolutionary that happened because of which you know, you're in this next frontier of uh, you know, using AI for personalized recommendations. But maybe you can look at it as things underdeveloped or what is the next inflection point you think? I mean,
1: we're pretty excited about Dolly um, because in marketing, visuals is also pretty big, um, and so I think there's a lot of opportunity there on just general visuals, images, video. Um, a lot of our customers. Uh, it, it is interesting though to think about how does that translate for for marketing and for brands that have really strict brand guidelines on you know, what things have to look like, but um, in a lot of our like early experimentation with, with Dolly, there's, uh, there's a lot of promise on being able to feed it data in a way that you're able to generate um, visuals that can potentially work and be on brand for a particular website or for a particular usage. So um, I'm really excited about like what we can do on the visual side in the very near future.
0: That's great. Can you uh, maybe for the founder audience explain what Dali is or how you've used it at Mutiny so that they have a better idea of the use case?
1: So we haven't. Um, so we haven't uh, productized anything around Dali yet. Um, but that is something that our engineers are working on. But essentially Dolly is very similar to, it's another open AI model. So it's very similar to GPT-3 um, and it can essentially generate images from input text. So the underlying you know, model is, is, I'd say it's similar to GPT-3, but it was trained by matching text to images um, instead of text to text, like in GPT-3. Um, and so you're able to basically speak to it and give it text describe what you want to see from it. And then it is then able to generate images that matches your description. So you can say give me a raccoon that is, you know, smoking a cigar um, on the you know, in Paris, um, I, I don't know why that popped into my head, but you know, our, our team does a lot of weird stuff with raccoons because that's obviously our mark. So they like to have fun with that. Um, and it will generate that for you. So you can, you can give it like really good input and then it'll, it'll create images for you.
0: Do you think we ever hit a world where all images are created by Dali? I,
1: it's hard for me to predict the future. If I was good at that, you know, I, I would be a, a a multi-billionaire today.
0: No, true that, but it's, it's amazing to see the evolution of uh, technology and how, you know, you use these tools today and you're like, wow, geez, I don't understand how I have been doing this work for the last 10 years.
1: Yeah, that's really amazing. And, and I think, um, what's been really cool is so, um, uh, I, I do, we, we have an advisor who, uh, who's from Square that we, that we worked with. And, you know, he's, he's in comms, you know, he's not a very technical person. And he was telling me that uh, he plays with, like, he has this game that he plays with his kids, with Dolly. Um, I, don't know, I don't know specifically which interface he's, he uses to it, but essentially him and his kids come up with, cool stuff that they can tell to Dolly and then it generates images for them. So it's amazing to see how much, you know, AI has become accessible to everybody, right? Like it, I, I think it's at a major breakthrough where before it was sort of behind the scenes, this backend thing, and now it's it's in our lives and, and people are actually interacting with it. Um, so that's been really, really incredible to see.
0: You mentioned a very important point earlier. Um, it's exciting to see GPT-3 in Delhi, but you know not all ideas are that core, right? You said, for ex- meaning uh, some are just built on top of GPT-3 without much depth, versus in your case, you actually give the proprietary data sets and it's, it's very targeted to a specific use case. So a founder that's dabbling in AI and wants to start a company, what would be some Caution or cautionary advice, if you will, you would give them on how they should think about using these technologies.
1: I mean, I think um, you know you probably hear this a lot from 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 VCs, right? Which is, which I think is probably pretty good advice. Um, you have to think about what is the ultimate long term vision of the product and what is the. You know, I I know the term moat is really overused, but but essentially, you know, what is the the long term defensibility of the business? So that is something that I think is is valuable to think about in the in the early days. Um, And you should have a good answer. Like if that's not at all part of the strategy, I definitely recommend thinking through, um, you know, why. If you're successful you're not going to immediately get commoditized um because the rate at which technology moves right now it's just so fast it's crazy to see how quickly once you discover something great and you put it out there and everyone talks about it uh, how quickly everybody else starts to copy you um and so if you don't have um things that are hard to copy or that will eventually become hard to copy i think it'll just make it harder Uh, for you to stay ahead of the game. Um, And, and, and so that is probably my recommendation around that.
0: And so what, uh, so that's very good advice. But you know, one of the things we also tell in VC is uh, try to launch fast, right? You, you've definitely heard us say this in the 12 weeks. And so how should one, you know, if you, if you, you know, uh, what advice would you have for founders in terms of leveraging OpenAI, leveraging GPT-3, and yet focusing on the moat question which you laid out, which is very important. Mm -hmm. Tactically speaking.
1: Yeah, I think um, your vision and long-term view, um, it's very separate from your day-to-day execution, right? So at, um, you know, for us at Mutiny, we had this broad vision of, you know, we want to build this platform that essentially replaces the marketing system of record, many disparate tools, as well as a whole bunch of custom growth engineering and data science, right? And so really big vision, really big market. Um, when, when I shared some of this with uh, Paul Graham at YC, the way he described it was he's like oh you're the other half of google you know google is like helping everybody bringing customers to the to your doorstep of your website but then there's nothing that that helps convert them and so we um you know that was the the, the vision and how we thought about um where we want to get to we wrote a vision doc that essentially lays out you know in about eight pages what the opportunity is and what we're trying to create uh, over the course of a decade with mutiny, but then, in, when it you know when it comes to execution, you know we have a you have to have a very clear okay what is step one like you know not even act one act two act three but what is step one of act one um, you know what is the first thing that you're going to launch so when we you know we 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 did all of that and then put that paper away <laughs> and then we start we incorporated started YC and in two and a half weeks released our first product. And in, I think we had our first paying customer in less than four weeks, right? Uh, and we had a very simple UI um, that we love. Uh, we have screenshots of, and we love sharing that every once in a while to embarrass my co-founder. But um, you know, it's it, it wasn't necessarily the the most beautiful thing, but it got the job done, and it allowed us to start to work with customers, understand their workflow. Um, And then keep going from there. And so I think um, I sort of see the long-term vision as it brings a lot of clarity around like where you're trying to go. It helps you bring other people along the journey with you, whether it's investors or employees, you know, folks that are going to help you build uh, everything. Um, But then your day-to-day execution is very fast and it's very focused. And, you know, you're not thinking about, um, you know, the 10-year thing when you're building the first version. And then, uh, and then, you know, you you kind of build, and as you understand what the customer workflow is and you feel really confident, then you, start, you can start to like refactor. Um, and, you know, this is something that we're thinking a lot about right now as we are um, moving into more of that platform phase um, uh, is, you know, how do we, as we expand and build new use cases, how do we still give those teams the autonomy to build new products in the way that we built them when we were really young um, and let them be able to, you know, leverage the platform, but essentially not be overly tied to, um, to it so that they can figure out exactly what's the use case, get to product market fit around that, um, and, then, and then once we have that, then we can kind of continually uh, refactor the, the primitives so that they're more easily accessible for future use cases. So I think this problem doesn't go away. Um, you know, this how do you, how do you enable your long-term vision but still move fast is just something that as a founder, you have to deal with at every stage of your journey. And it just looks different at different stages, but it's the same problem.
0: Yeah, and actually, uh, it, this is going to help us. I transition to the second topic, but uh, it's almost like the build versus buy question, and uh, you know, you have to constantly ask that, and that's when the long-term vision really comes in handy. And you have to answer yourself, answer for yourself, what is your moat, and what's you know how, and that moat in the lens of how how much improvement is it from a customer standpoint for the problem that they're trying to solve, right? And so the build versus buy, I think uh, Jeff Lawson from Twilio has a great framework for this, which is, you know, if you ask developers, they'll say, build everything. But you mentioned this at the start of this uh, Twitter space that engineers don't grow on trees. So you can't, you know, put resources to build everything. So you have to really ask yourself how core it is to what you're doing, Uh, the problem you're solving for the customer versus when do you use off the shelf solutions. So let me switch gears a little bit in the last 15 minutes we have. You decided to grow your team by acquiring Intellips and now Mutiny is one of the larger engineering teams with production experience in modern marketing AI. Why did you decide to pursue this acquisition? Like what was the thought process? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, right now
1: we are, in a recession and, and certainly expect, uh, more of that in the next, you know, one to two years. And so I think we're just in a, in a space where companies need to convert every dollar and we have built a product that makes marketing dollars more efficient. So like we've literally built a product that everyone in the market now cares about. So, um, as far as I'm concerned, like this is our chance to really lean in. And I think as startups, you know, all of us are building things that um, are going to change the way an entire industry operates, right? Like we're all here to create a new future. And so to do that, like we have to look for inflection points um, where something happens in the market where the old way is not going to be as 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 good, and now a much larger portion of the market is open to your new and better way, right? And so we see it as this is really that for mute me specifically, and um and so we want to we want to lean in and we want to take bets and we want to we want to move faster. Um, when I was at VMware, um, it, it, you know, I was there during the last recession, and. It was kind of amazing the way I saw that company double down on these types of market inflection points. So you know we sold virtualization, and that helped companies cut down on server costs and energy bills. And so when you know we were going through the 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 OA um, recession. Um, we really went nuts on like hey like help we'll help you consolidate your servers and it allow, allowed us to grow really quickly even as a public company, you know my first year at VMware we doubled revenue. Um, so it was you know it, was, it, it, it I think it's really important to take advantage of these these tailwinds in the market and so for us, um, you know, we want to make a bigger bet and, and really lean into creating our category. And AI is a really big part of making Mutiny easy to use um, and make it more accessible to more people. So we wanted to basically accelerate the roadmap. Um, and so that was the, 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 the reason behind, you know, why it made sense for us to, to just move faster than, um, you know, hiring folks like one at a time.
0: And how did you know you wanted to work with this team? Because I'm sure you had, you know, you could have explored many teams. So how did you come up with that decision?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, we were interested in the Intelips team and the skills that their team had developed while building the, the company. Uh, you know, their CTO, their senior engineers uh, had really good experience with um, marketing AI and in particular things like GPT-3 and prompt engineering, things that are just newer. Um, and so we saw a great opportunity to, to really expand um, our, um, our capacity for being able to build this sort of stuff more quickly. And I think in acquisitions, like you always have trade-offs, right? Uh, the acquisition is faster than hiring or building or training um, but then you risk not being able to integrate what you've acquired into the rest of the company. In our case, we wanted this really talented team, but we didn't want to create a microculture within Mutiny, right? So those were the, 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 the trade-offs that we were thinking through as we were evaluating this. Um, and so really for us, what it you know, came down to is, do we believe we can, um, we can bring in this really incredible team that we want to work with, um, but do it in a way um, that, de- that allows us to enhance our culture as opposed to uh, divide us, right? And so it was all about, do we have the same culture? Do we have shared values um, to be able to fully absorb this team? And for me, like, you know, I'm a big believer in the personality <laughs> and the values of the founder does really um, uh, spread in the organization and it becomes their culture, uh, and so I knew the founder, like really trusted him, and you know, knew that he had not only built a really smart team, but that they were going to be good humans. So that was sort of what opened the door um, and made us interested. Uh, and then, as we started to uh, to to talk more, it became really obvious that we were cut from the same cloth, right? So we were both very transparent about our intentions. We were very open about, Um, our needs, their needs, you know, the numbers, what investors wanted, what different people on the team wanted. And so we were able to, like, really put together a deal that worked for both sides. Um, And we did um, end up spending a lot of time with every individual that joined um, to make sure that they were going to be a perfect fit for the culture. And then once we acquired the team, we, um, we purposely did not put them all on an island. Um, so they were, you know, based on their abilities, they were distributed within, within the company. And so now um, it's, you know, it, it's been a huge culture enhancer for us because, you know, we have folks that are very much aligned on values, on the vision of the company, the product that we're trying to build. Um, and, you know, there's now this group of folks that do have this shared history. Um, and I think that makes us stronger Um, but we're ultimately one mutiny and one company all building towards the exact same long-term vision.
0: And how long did you take to build this trust and assess the culture? Because you actually, what you articulated sounds like you actually spent significant amount of time uh, with the team and you knew even before the acquisition the odds of it working out. So for the founders here, how did you think about how much time you spent to get to know them really well?
1: Um, so we spent, um, I think from beginning to end, it might've been six weeks for the whole thing. Um, but we we spent the same amount of time with every individual uh, as if they were, as, as if we were hiring them in onto the team. So probably six-ish hours per individual and a lot more time with the, with
0: the key players. Got it. Yeah, super helpful and very important. I think that's something, you know, people can't usually calibrate. It's like some, if you need to spend time, is it three to six months or is it, and it depends on the size of the acquisition, but I think the one takeaway here, which you mentioned, I think, which is profoundly helpful for people, uh, and I would highly recommend it is, think as though you were hiring them, right? Because that's the bar if they need, if you have an incredibly high bar for hiring and for advancing your culture and your values, then that's the lens you need to bring when you're acquiring companies. Do you expect to acquire more companies, Jolly? How How should founders and CEOs determine whether it's the right strategy for their company?
1: Yeah, I think um, acquisitions can definitely be tricky. And so you want to be really clear about what your goals are um, and why an acquisition is the best way to achieve it. Um, I, when, when I was at VMware, we, we made a lot of acquisitions and I would say most of them failed um, <laughs> because we were overreaching and hoping that you know some vision that we put on a slide deck would miraculously appear. I think like at some point I remember we acquired a company that was kind of similar to, you know, like an old version of Slack. Um, And we were an infrastructure company. And so, you know, it just, it didn't fit with the rest. Um, And the successful acquisitions that we made were the ones where they were really aligned with what we were trying to do as a company. And they just fit with the rest of the business. Like it's as if like we would have made them, you know, we would have done that ourselves. um, And they were just able to, Um, accelerate the timing for us and the culture and the individuals and the way they approach their work was very similar to the culture of the company Um, and so you know and then when I was at Gusto I was there until about I think 500 employees and we were not very acquisitive and you know probably um, there was an opportunity to do to do more of that Um, and uh, so at Mutiny we are approaching it as just being really clear about what our goals are, and then and then deciding whether an acquisition makes sense. So, for example, in our case, um, we do still have um, a, an acquisition use case, and we're very interested in bringing on um, smaller teams um, where the founder wants to wants to stay and help build a product area inside of Mutiny. So, you know, as I mentioned, our vision is to build a conversion platform. Um, that, you know, serves multiple different use cases, website personalization being just one of them. And so as we, you know, as we expand, we want ex-founders who are very entrepreneurial, who know how to move really quickly and and be very user-focused. Um, we want them to, 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 to join our product team and to build um, for those customers. And so it's a great opportunity for a founder who, um, you know, has all of those skills, but maybe is tired of doing all of the other things like fundraising and, you know, and all that stuff and wants to join, uh, a, a still a, you know, a, a nimble and fast uh, startup, but have a little bit more, um, you know, a, a little bit more focus on just building the product and, and then growing that business area within, uh, within Mutiny. So that's the, that's the particular acquisition that, you know, that we're open to and we're very interested in, um, uh, if, if the culture fit and the, and the alignment around the product is there.
0: It's funny you said that. I haven't met very many founders who like fundraising, so that's a good point.
1: Um, <laughs> Especially uh, in this market.
0: That is true. It comes in cycles. Uh, one last question since we have two minutes, and I thought it would uh, be a good question to wrap up given the topic. What are your thoughts on how AI will impact the next 10 years? Um,
1: I mean, I think, um, you know, we, we, we talked a little bit about this of AI used to be really backend, right? And so from the perspective of um, founders, I think it's really exciting because before, if you wanted to leverage AI, you it had to be the end-all be-all, like your whole thing had to be like building this machine learning team to, you know, to, 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 to build these models, et cetera. It was really hard to, um, to build something bigger and to go all the way to, you know, the user. Whereas now I think there's enough productization of some of these backend AI technologies and models that as a founder, you can basically build the product that you want in the area that you're really passionate about and tap into AI as a tool in your tool belt to really accelerate the thing that you wanna build and the value that you wanna give to customers. Um, And so I think think that's really exciting from the founder perspective and from the user and growth perspective, um, what's really exciting is that I think AI allows us to automate a lot of crap that nobody wants to do. Um, And so when I think about the world of growth, you know, there's all of this optimization that somebody has to do. Like the reason people aren't driving conversion, the reason there is all of this waste is that somebody has to sit there and create, you know, thousands of permutations and optimize those things. And it's just at some point it becomes impossible and really, really tedious. And a good example of this, if I dare use an analogy from Facebook, is, you know, when Facebook ads first came out, they weren't really effective and very only like gamers could use them to to, to, to you know have a good unit economics and actually grow their business. But then when lookalike audiences that was all powered by AI came out, then everyone was suddenly able to use Facebook and, and uh, be successful with it, right? And it just kind of grew from there. And so I think um, the, in particular in growth, AI is gonna allow a whole group of people that are not technical, um, but understand you know, the, the, what they're trying to do to be able to now have access to things that previously only very technical folks could do. And, and I think that's really exciting. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for us as founders to think about you know, what parts of the, 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 the world and what problems exist where there's still a lot of manual and technical steps and how can AI help um, automate and streamline that for end users.
0: Well said. Well, thank you so much, Jale, for taking the time uh, to share your own journey with Mutiny, but also the recent advances in AI. I'm sure the founders really appreciated it. Thank you again.
1: Absolutely, thanks for having me. Anything for YC.